Hello to one and all, and we're back again. Uh, it's been a week for you. It's been about 10 minutes for us. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're back again with the Historical Linkages podcast, and we're very happy that you've chosen to to join us. Once again, I'm intrigued, I'm sure as you were, by uh, the, our introduction to ourselves uh, last week. Now you're going to uh, hear a little bit more about the project and maybe what brought us to the project. So, uh, yeah, so this week, like I say, that's what we're gonna be talking about, kind of the broad the broad strokes of the project, but maybe also, you know, what uh, what brought us here to a certain extent, but also, you know, what what we're finding, what, what keeps us engaged uh, with this project altogether. So, uh, once again, I'm Sean McCarthy, I'm joined by Alison Paradis, he, uh, Tasha Smith, and Sarah Ward. Uh, so welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back if this isn't your first time joining us. And if it is your first time joining us, get ready. Get ready. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> Go back and watch the, the first episode for context. You know, that's yeah. it. Um, the storylines won't make sense if you keep watching from this point on. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, so speaking... Very broadly, as I mentioned last week, um, this project uh, basically envisions uh, looking at how uh, Miramichi's history, as seen through different cultural lenses, the Mi'kmaq lens, the Acadian lens, the Irish, the Scottish lens, and, uh, you know, how that history connects culture to culture, uh, community to community, region to region, and then uh, how those stories kind of move outward uh, and, and go across the province, across the country, and around the world. So uh, we began uh, this process at the first of this year, the first of 2022, uh, all of us together working to just kind of go out and do some general research. Uh, just try to gather as many stories, maybe ones that are not well known or not well understood, and, uh, and get at some of that, uh, some of those, some of those narratives in the community the, through personal interviews, through archival research, newspaper research, so on and so forth. Uh, and in what has been um, a very interesting, but certainly a process, but not without its challenges, we've narrowed our stream down. Uh, and tried to kind of look at, you know, what, what themes, themes uh, kind of thematic umbrellas is, are, are most efficacious going forward. Look at me with the $5 words. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so really kind of looking now uh, at themes of spirituality and culture and how those and, and, and how our cultures, there's uh, all on the Miramichi, we have uh, have interacted and the, the, and and connected and the similarities that existed between them and how that has reached uh, beyond the community. So did I get that more or less right? <laughs> Says the leader of our project. Yes, you did a wonderful job. Ha! <laughs> Score one for the good guys. Uh, <laughs> So maybe I'll hand it over now. Maybe we'll talk about, you know, um, uh, yeah, our, our project journey so far. Um, what, what kind of, uh, what in terms of interest brought us here and what is, what is keeping us engaged today? I could jump in and kind of talk about what it's like on, uh, on my end. 
uh, I think always, as I was growing up, our family had a uh, sense of pride in being uh, Acadian. And uh, I did too, even if I, I think I only knew the textbook version of our history. Uh, very, you know, surface knowledge, I guess you could say. Uh, but it's not to say that I wasn't curious about, you know, what maybe, what, what maybe we, we just don't talk about as often and what, uh, what kind of things were going to be surprises for me if I started looking into it. So when I had the opportunity to jump in on this project, uh, I was thrilled and very quickly found out how much there was that was not talked about or that was, you know, just waiting to be uncovered. Uh, and I, on top of it, you know, it was my first time working on a research project other than university classes. And, you know, anybody who has gone to university and then worked out in the real world knows that there's a difference between doing projects that you're uh, assigned versus doing project research projects that uh, have a subject that you're passionate about, that you're really curious about. Uh, and I think the <laughs> main difference for me was uh, starting a project at, at midnight the day before it's due versus staying up until midnight because I'm still trying to finish a few of the pages that I want to read through. Uh, so yeah, through through that, it kind of opened up a lot of doors for me to find out how the kids from our region have been able to make these throughout the world, uh, which again is something that I don't think was talked a whole lot about when I was growing up. So Alison, I'm curious, I guess, um maybe to kind of talk about the move from kind of that textbook history to, you know, that, that history that's really kind of the, you feel connected to, because I think maybe the first linkage that we, that we, that we make, uh, you know, that we don't often, you know, speak about is the connection to ourselves, you know, as researchers, you know? So um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, you know, what, what does it feel like to kind of go from that, you know, that, that kind of textbook understanding of Acadian history, that textbook version of Acadian history, to something that's, a, that's much more or personal either for you or for the people that you're talking to or talking about? I think that the, the biggest thing for me was just kind of seeing how, like I said earlier, it's a very surface level portrayal of uh, Acadian history in the textbooks. Uh, for the small amount that is even featured in textbooks, to be honest. Uh, a lot of it kind of revolves around the deportation, whereas it doesn't really focus on, I guess, the existence, the actual existence of the Acadians, the impact uh, that, they, that they've had, uh, the relationships they've made, the... I, yeah, I guess just their actual lives lived and the, the different uh, leaks that they did make outside of the, the Miramichi region. So for me to start reading into, you know, handwritten notes and uh, 
old Acadian remedies and recipes and uh, discoveries that other people have made uh, that just were never featured in these in these textbooks. It's just opened up, you know. It's it's a whole new world uh, of research in comparison to the limited information that has kind of been filtered into a textbook. So, yeah, I think that that's been that's been really. I mean, for lack of better words, it's it's been fun. It's been exciting to be able to to learn a little bit more about a culture that that I have always had pride in being a part of, uh, and now it's it's even you know more so. I'm learning so much more about what uh, you know what my ancestors did, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just definitely been an eye-opening uh, research adventure so far. I, I agree with you, Allie. Uh, throughout my school experience as well, a lot of like um, indigenous information and, and it focused mostly on land and who owned what and why. And it was just more like territorial and possessions. And yeah. once you start reading a little bit more into it, like I was saying about my BA degree, you start seeing that there's so much more to your culture than just property and who was here first and who did this and who didn't do whatever. It's like, oh, these are the connections. These are the relationships. This is how we survived during these times. This is the, the, you know, if we interacted with nature and coming to see that most cultures can use the same plant for different things. And that to me is amazing that you could take one thing and make it into something so useful for different purposes and and it doesn't involve destroying the land around you and whatnot right and that's true right I, I do think that the research we're doing allows it to be a more like personal thing instead of it being a like a generalized like the Acadians did this it's we get to go in and say this person, like this one individual, this is what they did that then had, you know, left a mark for generations after. So I think that that's been uh, eye-opening. It's just kind of a like getting away from looking at it as a generalized group and seeing the specifics, the impacts. Yeah. Instead of seeing it in black and white, we're adding that color to it and it's, we're seeing there's so much more to the picture than what we first thought there was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think one of the things that I, yeah, that I like that I've seen in this research project is that from an indigenous perspective, you know, it's, um, we see things in textbook, but it's always um, the settlers being recognized for certain, uh, uh, you know, landmarks or uh, certain developments. But I think this research brings voice to those people that have contributed in this community. Like, you know, it brings a topic to the Miramichi of discussion of First Nations people, you know, what their role was and how they participate in a certain certain event or what happened in history. Like, you know, things that we never seen in history books, like, you know, not only for us as, as Aboriginal people, but people around us that are non-Aboriginal that are starting to even with during this research, um, we had elders in, and I noticed that uh, 
I can see Sean's eyes looking, oh, you know, this really happened? Or even Allie, like, you know, being non-Aboriginal people, like, you know, the stories we tell or the elders, things that they spoke of is like, uh, it's a, a testimony kind of like, yes, we live this. And this is what we need to recognize for the people of Miramichi, like, you know, give voices to those people or honor these people, you know? And I think even our language is kind of uh, different when it comes to different culture, because I use the word a lot of word as honor, meaning that it means to recognize, you know, be respectful or uh, give um, voices to those people that were here, you know, and different between Western contexts. I think we're looking at the, uh, the academic wording and then indigenous wording or indigenous meaning we kind of put mean meaning and understanding together and i think i like that about this project i agree absolutely allison you had a question yeah i was just going to ask you kind of how you felt about that like did you find because i think that you know for when it comes to the acadian side or the indigenous side our stories are not as represented in the history books and textbooks. So how has it been for you trying to find new information, right? Like, I feel like for us, we could find some handwritten notes that just never made it into publishing. Whereas on, on your side of things, a little bit yeah. of a different approach. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's it. The Scottish and the Irish are certainly there. I would argue that maybe they're not there or in kind of a uniquely Scottish and Irish cultural way. You know what I mean? I think that the, I think there's definitely that sense of, you know, I think, you know, textbooks and such kind of definitely present this kind of this British culture that, you know, that I think, yeah, I'm not going to say that they, that, uh, you know, that Scottish and Irish settlers don't fit into, but they may not fit completely into. And, you know, um, what is it to be, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a, an Irish settler in Miramichi, you know, in the 1840s. Well, I mean, you know, it was interesting to kind of find out that a lot of them, you know, and I mean, when they're talking about home, they're not talking about the Semiwagon Ridge. They're not talking about Renews. They're not, they're talking about Ireland. You know what I mean? That's, that's home. You know what I mean? Even generations later, like that's, <laughs> that's where it is. And so those issues are still very prevalent in their lives, you know? Um, and again, obviously, like I say, this, the, the Highland Society, I mean, has, you know, again, to understand that it's been here since the 1840s and was founded by, you know, by settlers. And again, they really kind of wanted to kind of preserve that culture, you know, in a way. Um, and again, how, how, that, how that has happened over the last, you know, uh, 170 some odd years. There's, so I think, I think it's really kind of getting at Kind of the cultural aspects of it rather than necessarily kind of the key the key figures because as you say the key figures are out there the william davidson's the the leonard o'brien's and whatever but i i find that sometimes it's not so much like you know it's not so much that they were like anything they did was particularly irish or scottish or whatever it was you know like okay, well, this person, you know, the irish history is leonard o'brien and george birchland whatever because they were of irish ancestry well, maybe it is, but I think also, you know what I mean? What's, what's, as I say, what's, what's the cultural history of the region? You know, again, nobody talks about, you know, the fact that anybody spoke Gaelic here for any, many years. And, you know, it's, I mean, it might be mentioned here and there, but, you know, that's a language that we've lost here in this community. And 
why? I mean, you know, I think we can come up with some with some compelling ideas as to how as to why that might have been. But you know, um, what remains? There's, you know, I think there's still ex- there's still expressions that you know that the community uses today that date back to you know uh, Gaelic roots. You know. Um, so those types of things. So I think I think it's really kind of getting at the culture. That's very much a around your arse to get to your elbow explanation. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's really you know that's it, 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 the culture and away from kind of the you know big people, big events. You know because I think there's a lot of small events too that are really meaningful when you look at them, uh, but they're not necessarily you know. Uh, that kind of the, the, those kind of big figure or maybe kind of like broad strokes events. I think when you look deeper at say shipbuilding, you know, like, okay, yes, there were 24 sites along the river, but this individual ship did this thing. And then nobody knows about that. You know what I mean? That's really interesting. And, you know, these, and these were the crew members or these, whatever. So I think it's, it, it's more getting away from that sort of uh, kind of poster board history and down into kind of the, the, you know, kind of the personal, the way that you're doing. I think another thing that I think that we've often that we've often said in private and maybe we're not supposed to say in public, but you know what I mean. I think there's been really a, this has been a, a, a very much a, a a feel your way along kind of process. You know, yeah. I think that's something that a lot of the people that I've talked to, you know, what I mean, when they say, "Well, what's your project about?" Well, this is what it's about generally, but what specifically are you looking for? Nothing specifically. I'm looking for everything in general. You know what I mean? Anything that you want to tell me, I want to hear. Well, that that's certainly been difficult for me, you know, kind of sitting down with people and not really having that, like, I want to know information about this one topic. But I think in a lot of ways, it's allowed me to kind of find a lot of things that I wouldn't have found out otherwise is if, you know, if I had just asked them, okay, tell me the story of your great-great-grandmother. You know, and uh, but I got but I got a story about an uncle and an aunt and whatever, and, and they did some really interesting things that I would have never that I've never heard if I had just asked that one story. Um, is that something that you're finding as well? One hundred percent on my end. I mean, you say that reminds me of one of the interviews that I had, uh, where it was maybe a half hour interview, nothing too crazy, but at the beginning he was saying, you know, I don't really. I can't think of anybody from the area who would have anything really like a link to anywhere or anything super interesting. So we just kind of chatted for a little bit and kind of moved on for that top from that topic. And uh, towards the end of the call, he goes, you know, yeah. And then sometimes I just think about that, uh, that guy from Rogersville who ended up uh, at the Vatican in Rome. And I'm like, that, that is what I was looking for when we were talking, <laughs> you know, like we go into it, not necessarily knowing what we're looking for. And we wouldn't have, you know, got to that piece of information had we not just been talking and chit chatting and where 20 minutes ago you said, no, no, I can't think of anything relevant for your research. And then all of a sudden we get this big piece that I get to you know, I've been doing a bunch of deep dives just on that one person since then. So it's, yeah, I think there's a really cool approach with being able to go in and say, we're not looking for one specific thing. Uh, it's an open research discussion. Uh, and at the same time, it presents some obstacles for sure. But I think that at the end of the day, it always does give us a little bit more than we would get if we went in with a closed topic, you know. Absolutely agree. And I've ran into the same exact encounters as Sean and Allie with the project being so 
like in a general way, a lot of people are not used to having a type of project like that being available to you. So a lot of the interviews, like you guys were saying, it's like kind of close, strict answer the questions I have here on this list instead of being like, this is free range. Let's just have a natural conversation here and see what we come across. And I think that's one of the the parts I was really excited about this project because I did so much research and textbook work, but I never really got to talk to a lot of people and their experiences or what they've been told or shown. And another thing I really like is uh, when they can show you artifacts or whatnot that they've collected or made themselves or were taught. Like one example was with one of the interviews, um, this gentleman, so informative, so kind, uh, showed me a crooked knife he made, which is a type of tool that Mi'kmaq communities used before. Um, and I just, I just seeing it firsthand and being able to hold it. And he had like a few different ones. So like ones that were old and given to him and one that he created himself. And I was like, this is just amazing to be able to have that firsthand encounter with people and be able to physically touch it as well as read about it. Right. But I think that's something that I hope our project kind of delivers on too, is being able to like draw people in the same way that we're being drawn in by all of these, you know, interviews and by all of these experiences that we get to to be a part of. We're looking at you, listener. That's it, you know. <laughs> Hopefully you're being drawn in as we've been drawn in. Uh. Take the bait. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Precisely. I think one of my background is when when we talk about research like this, um, like I said, we're doing an ethnographic background of research, right? So we're letting people mm-hmm. tell their stories and we're listening and we're deciphering what the information we'll take from there. But um, I think when I approach some of these research from, I, I usually speak from the Aboriginal's perspective, growing up where my parents didn't speak English, um, didn't go to school, so they have so much history and so much stories. And then you go to other uh, First Nations community, and there's a lot of those historians that were never documented. Their stories were never documented. Um, things that happened, like um, I would ask my grandmother, you know, when did this happen? And she'll give me a long, detail of stories about when the settlers put these fences and they got cattle and before she get to the point, right? But you learn so much history in that, that moment. So I think this gives us an opportunity, like uh, Ali's story, like, you know, you ask the person that little question about certain things and she or he did not say too much. But in the end, it got to the point where you started telling stories of things because I think it gives a person value of their life, their story, you know, their their history, you know, because most of the time is we just go when we're given academic research, we run away, we run to the library or we start reading or we start writing about something and regurgitating what's already written. But this is where it brings us into people's home. We share the life of people, we share their tea, you know, whatever, like, you know, we sit there and which I find makes it more, more mermishy. Because for me, when I came here, it was, to me, it was welcoming, you know. Um, I always tell my friend, one of my friends, I said, uh, I never had been called dear so many times until I came to the Miramichi. Because every time I met somebody, it says, uh, how you doing, dear? Okay, thank you, dear. Like, you know, and it kind of made me feel uncomfortable for a while. But I come to realize and accept it that it's a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so that this may machine for you. So, I mean, I haven't got to the point calling everybody dear yet, but <laughs> I'm still being called dear, and some people are younger than me, like, you know. So, mm. But that's what it is, and that, I think that's what we're learning about the community, bringing community together. Mm. Yeah. Almost in a sense that they are trying to show you that respect, that they're respecting you as another human being, um, and that they're welcoming you in their life. I wonder if that's what they kind of mean by that when they call you dear. It's coming from Oklahoma. I went to a grocery store or something. People will say, How, howdy, how you doing? Like, you know, with, with that act, you know, the Oklahoma accent. Like, you know, you, you kind of get adjusted there from New Mexico to Oklahoma. Then you come here and then it's like, how's she going? <laughs> you know, so it's it's part of Miramichi. And I think that's that's what makes Miramichi Miramichi, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I might come from a different culture, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm assimilated into the community. And I kind of like, uh, like I was telling Sean, I think one of our meetings there, I said, I know two icons in the Miramichi is two gentlemen that got on the bus and on the city bus there. And they're always talking. I'm always so amazed at their Miramichi accent and the way they talk. And sometimes I have to really listen because it's almost like they're speaking a different language. But it's so so beautiful in, in its own way, like, you no, know, because it's history. That's one of the things I like about this project. Um we're listening to understand people and their life experiences. We're not just listening to write it down for on a piece of paper for others to read about that connection. And I think that's what this podcast is. It's not only we're talking about what's written down. We're talking about, you know, some things that we can't put down on paper, but we're telling the stories in this podcast, which I think makes it beautiful that we're telling some of the stories that people told us. We're recognizing their story. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you have stories that you'd like to share with us, this if you'd like to hear more about a certain topic, whatever the case may be, uh, again, we encourage you to reach out to, to us. We're, we're always very anxious to hear uh, feedback. Uh, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, pop something down in the comments below. Oh, we'll get back to you. If you're more inclined to do email, link project at bowbearsisland.ca. Um, and yeah, like I say, any, anything that you want to know are, you know, I mean, we want to do the episodes that you want to listen to and watch uh, in, in as much as we can as well. So, uh, yeah. So as we kind of draw to a close here on this on this uh, episode, talking about the project itself, well, uh, final thoughts, anybody? I mean, I think we all know uh, what's missing to this podcast, and that is what is going to quickly become a fan favorite segment, which is Sean improvises an outro for our episode. Ah, yes. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> kernel. Yeah, yeah. lovely. Um, yeah, that's it. Every time we say goodbye, I die a little. Every time we say goodbye, I wonder why a little. Every time we say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs>